0: well welcome everybody to the mongols preview show brought to you by roughneck Cars. i'm justin from mongols joining me today is kevin johnson from sock takes and the indie star kevin covers the riverhounds opponent this saturday night the indy 11. kevin welcome to the Mongols show how are you
1: i'm doing great thanks so much for having me again justin i really appreciate being on shout out to mongols love what you guys do uh really looking forward to the game
0: yeah it's gonna be a good yeah it'll be a good game i'm excited I'm excited. You know, it's coming to crunch time in the season. So these games feel important and it's going to be a fun end of the season, I think. Yeah. Uh, so to set the scene a little bit for this game, let's look at like where everyone sits and, and the like and see what's going on. So the Pittsburgh River Hounds, your Pittsburgh River Hounds, sit at 13, 11, and four with 50 points in second place. Uh, Indy 11 are five points back in fifth place with a 12, 9, and eight record and 45 points. Teams have scared, squared off twice already this season. A 2-2 draw on August 29th at Indy. And a 0-0 draw on May 11th. Indy comes into town this weekend after a 1-0 defeat to Penn FC last Wednesday. And the Riverhounds are looking to get a win after the 2-2 draw against Louisville on Saturday. So with that, let's kind of jump into this game and, and previewing this game. But first of all, let's let's go back to that 2-2 draw. Um, almost a month ago now, um, by the time, by Saturday, um, crazy sort of game, um, McInerney with the brace about 90 minutes apart, um, and some goalkeeper errors, a weird red card. Um, kind of what did you take away from that game as you think back kind of on that game, um, about a month ago? Yeah,
1: that was a crazy game and a very good game at that. I thought it was quite evenly played. Uh, you mentioned McInerney got the brace. The second one, I think, was in the fourth minute of stoppage time. Uh, you also mentioned the definitely controversial red card. Um, you know, as an unbiased journalist, you know, taking my Indy 11 fan hat off for a moment. Um, I thought it was a little suspect, to be honest. Um, it did happen late, but, of course, so did the the Indy 11 equalizer came very late. So, um, and then, you know, just the, the last... There was maybe, I don't know, nine minutes that Indy was playing, if you include stoppage time with a man advantage. Um, So factoring that in, I think I have a couple stats here. The possession was like 55-45 in favor of Indy in that game. The shots were close to dead even. I think um, they each had like 10 shots total, and Indy maybe had two more on goal or something in that nature. But, you know, you factor in, had they played 11 v 11 you know, all the way through, the stats probably would have been pretty dead even. Um, and you know, I mean pittsburgh possibly deserved to come out of there with three points You know, they had the 2-1 lead and then the equalizer like I said came after the red card So the riverhounds did what they needed to do. You know, you come in on the road in the usl It's never an easy task even if you're you're playing a bottom of the table team And I thought the riverhounds showed very well um, I talked to uh, our, our buddy hugh roberts um fellow VGN fan member yeah after after that game and uh he was very disappointed because you know your your stout defense. I believe I'm almost certain it's still ranked first in the USL because I, as of a couple games ago, you were had like eight goals conceded fewer than the next <laughs> team. So I'm assuming yeah. you're you're still the best defense in the league. And so I I asked him point blank. You know, I was like, "Do you take it personally when you concede two goals, regardless of it if it's a tough away date or whatever?" And he said, "Yeah, we sure do. We take it personally." Um, and so yeah, I'm really looking forward to uh the Riverhounds defense kind of coming out with a chip on their shoulder and trying to get it done.
0: Yeah. I thought, I thought that game was just an interesting game. I thought it, I don't think either team played a, um, you know, it was a well-played game based on the game that both teams played. I didn't feel like it was overly well played by either team. I thought it was sort of, I felt like the whole game was sort of scrappy and kind of back and forth and a little bit disjointed for both teams. Um, so I think that's – I think if I'm remembering correctly, um, the second – I think it was the second goal for the Riverhounds was sort of a crazy goalkeeper error maybe um, by the Indy goalkeeper in the first one. For Indy, um, you know, I think Kirk came out way too early on that one. Um, and then McInerney was able to kind of turn Joe Greenspan inside out and then um, was able to slot one home with Kirk way out of position. So I think it was just sort of – that was – yeah, it was just a crazy game. I thought that. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought the red card was interesting. I wanted to phrase it that it was interesting before I heard your opinion on it. Um, I know that as I watched Twitter after that game, you know, I felt like a lot of indie people even said like that was not a red card, but we got a draw out of it. So okay, you know, but um, so I, you know, it is interesting trying to kind of take that unbiased, you know, unbiased journalist opinion when you're like okay was that actually a red card? Was it not a red card? But uh, when your fan hat was like, no, that wasn't a red card at all. Um, So yeah, I mean, I'm glad to hear you say that, but um, it doesn't make the result any different. So I think that was a tough stretch of the season for the rounds, too. I mean, I think we were in the midst of kind of some draws and and a loss to Cincy. And so I think it was a rough stretch of the season. But um, like you said, I think kind of coming out of that game, there is this feeling of um, anytime you go on the road and you can get a draw, like that's a good result. Um, and you can be frustrated about what happened during the game and everything else. Um, but when you look at kind of the overall standings and, and what other teams do um, you know, you see teams even this year going up to Toronto and struggling, going down to Atlanta and struggling. So there's a reality that it's, it's not easy to go on the road anywhere and win games.
1: Yeah. I absolutely agree. And one thing I actually forgot about, I think uh, that was also the game where Kirk kind of stood on his head. Uh, Indy didn't have too many shots, but I think they finished maybe like seven or so on goal. Um, but just about all seven were pretty quality efforts, if I recall. And I think that if I'm not mistaken, that was the game when Kirk, um, you know, even though he conceded twice, it was almost like a man of the match worthy performance. Uh, maybe you go Ernie because of the brace, but yeah. uh, Kirk was excellent that day.
0: Yeah, I remember being mad at Kirk in the first half because he gave up that stupid goal. But then I felt like later in the game, he kind of redeemed himself. And I think I remember him having two or three diving stops later in the game. that He had to parry away or tip over or whatever. Um, So I I do remember him kind of turning my opinion of him around in that game towards the end. Um, So that kind of covers the last game. Um, but basically kind of where I said we are now, Riverhounds in second, Indy in fifth. How do you see kind of the rest of the season laid out? Like even for you guys specifically, do you guys break into the top four? Do you finish in that fifth spot? Um, Is it going to be hard to keep that fifth spot? How do you see the playoffs kind of playing out as, as you look at your schedule for the rest of the season and kind of where everybody else is?
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't think Indy's going to cling on to that fourth, spot or you know make a ridiculous run and jump up um possibly they might even i don't have the table pulled up in front of me so i'm not sure how many points clear they are of sixth but if i had to predict you know as a gambling man i would say that they stay in fifth or maybe drop to sixth um not particularly because they're playing bad football or anything of that nature strictly a schedule thing they just had a string uh, a lot of home games kind of chunked together there and they finished the season of their final six matches for Four are on the road. So it's tough to predict magic, you know, given, you know, four road games and two home games to to finish out. So I I wouldn't look for I wouldn't be shocked, you know, if they played well and maybe slipped up to fourth. But I would just I'd probably predict they stay in fifth or maybe slide to sixth, unfortunately.
0: Yeah. So you guys are um, you're three points back of Charleston in fourth. Charleston, unfortunately, is winning uh, their game tonight right now. Uh, you're three points ahead of Bethlehem and four points ahead of Ottawa, but you have a game in hand on both of them. So that's kind of where you stand um, in the table. Yeah,
1: I, I think we'll stay in fifth,
0: Yeah, to be honest. Yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting end of the season. I'm struggling with where I think the River Hounds are going to end up just from the perspective of um, I think there's – Um, You know, I think Louisville and Charleston are both quality teams. Obviously, if Charleston wins tonight, they're going to jump up to the second. So it'll be an interesting, um, you know, that I think puts a lot more pressure on this game on Saturday for the Riverhounds, um, knowing that, uh, you know, a win will put them back in front of Charleston for a moment. But I believe Charleston also plays on Saturday. So it's like a little bit of like there's a lot of pressure on that game. Um, for them to win. Otherwise, we could finish the weekend four points behind Charleston. So um, I think that's an interesting kind of wrinkle in this game for me of what the Riverhounds might come out and do. Um, I do think the bottom half is interesting. Um, Maybe a question for you, looking at the bottom half of the playoffs, if you were to pick which of the top four teams you would want to play in your first-round game, which is it? Yeah,
1: it's a tough question. I mean – I want to say Ottawa, I know they're on a hot streak, they're playing some great football. I think they got a bunch of clean sheets racked up. Their defense has been phenomenal. But I don't know, at the same time, just what I saw earlier in the year, I wasn't super impressed. And I think they're a solid squad, but it's kind of like, you know, they're they're peaking, you know. Every yeah. season's a marathon and, you know, they're surging. This is their surge. They're at the top of the mountain right now playing their best ball, and I just I don't think it's sustainable. So, not to be a hater, but, um, you know, I'm just not – I don't think Ottawa's going to blow you away with their offense ever. The defense is solid. Got to tip my hat to it. But, yeah, if I'm a coach, I wouldn't mind seeing maybe an Ottawa Fury in, in round one.
0: Yeah. Uh, and maybe just another question for you. I was thinking about this kind of before we jumped on the call. And I think there's a reality – and I can answer this question for you and what I think – but. I think um, there's a reality of like when you are a fan of a team, you kind of get caught in your own perception of that team, especially kind of late in a season like this of like, I look at her, you know, I look at that 2 draw against Louisville and I'm like, okay, like we fought back from two, 2 nothing down, we got a couple late goals, we ended up tying that game, like that's a good performance, Um but then I also start looking back further and like we have that 2-1 loss to Cincy. We also have that 4-1 win against Bethlehem. And so I have this perception of what I think the Riverhounds could or should be. Um, maybe just for our listeners, as they kind of listen to this podcast, how do, how do you feel like teams around the league view the Riverhounds? Like what, what do you hear from the journalists in Indy, Brian Cook, some of those guys that cover um, Indy, what are you hearing about the Riverhounds from them and kind of what are your own personal uh, kind of feelings on the Riverhounds?
1: I'd say it's very much a uh, kind of drool at the current form type of thing. You know, most teams are where, you know, historically uh, there's not much, um, you know, history of hoisting titles or anything there. Uh, I believe you guys haven't ever hosted a playoff game at Highmark Stadium. So it'd be nice to see that this year, hopefully. Um, But yeah, I think, you know, people are salivating over, just looking at the snapshot of this year, just like, whoa, you know, look at this defense. Um, look how consistent the results have been. The high level uh, of play has been has been shown. Um, I'd say, I don't know if you guys even... Have you guys even hit a streak where you lost, like, you know, two or three in a row? You've been pretty consistent all year.
0: Yeah, we've only lost four, and I don't think we've lost back... To, I We have definitely not lost back-to-back season games. There, have, there may have been that 3-1 loss to Cincy that knocked us out of the Open Cup and then we had a 1-0 loss to Nashville pretty close to that and I don't so I don't I know if right, those were back to back but they were I don't that think sounds we, familiar
1: yeah I think that is right but uh yeah but I mean even considering you lost back to back and then besides that you've only lost two other games all year so you guys have been a model of consistency and I think that you know, the best way to describe it is it's been an eye opening season, you know, like, hey, uh, time to take notice of this squad. So I think, yeah, I think you're very respected around the league, you know, from the Eastern Conference uh people I talked to. Um you're definitely up there, you know, I'd say the same the equal level of respect with an FC Cincinnati and a Louisville City FC. Yeah,
0: those those losses weren't back to back. There was a there was a zero zero draw against Penn FC between those two losses, but uh-huh. Um, so we have not lost back to back yet, but, um, yeah, so I think it's like, I just think it's interesting because I feel like, uh, as we've been kind of talking as a Mongols crew and I I talk to people in the steel army, um, you know, the supporters group, I think it's hard sometimes because you look at it and you're like, oh, we have it, you know, we did that, you know, we had that two, one loss to Cincy, we're 16 points behind them in the playoff race, you know? So there's a little bit of like, oh man, I wish we had turned two, three of our 11 draws into wins at some point or something like that. But I think at the same time, so it's helpful to hear from somebody else that like as other teams look at us, we're probably blessed in the way that we're playing and the way that our team is playing so we can just enjoy what's happening rather than get too frustrated when the down times or the down game comes um, that we can kind of turn that around pretty quickly and be like, well, we are like better than most teams in the league. So yeah. it is and, interesting uh,
1: to make a comparison to another team in the Eastern Conference. Um, and I guess I'll toss in like a, a terrible Robert Frost metaphor, you know, but if you look at, you know, what Nashville SC has done, you and Nashville, you guys were kind of on the same path. You both were surprised at people at the beginning of the season, racking up results, looking kind of like the cream of the crop of the East. And that road, you know, diverged into a wood as the poem reads. And um, <laughs> clearly, you know, I think at that point, a lot of USL um, fans and Eastern Conference fans were thinking, hey, you know, are both of these teams legit? So there kind of came a point where um, you had to prove yourself, you know, is the squad mm-hmm. legit? Are you kind of just running hot right now? And, you know, Nashville, they seemed to have proven that they were kind of just running hot at that moment, whereas Pittsburgh – you know, said, Hey, look, look at us. We're legit. So I think that's a good kind of comparison. You guys are kind of on the same trajectory and then, you know, Pittsburgh seemed to kind of assert themselves as clearly the better club with those two.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Very true. So thinking about this game on Saturday, um, you guys coming off that one Oh lost to pen FC uh, a couple, a week before that you beat um, the red bulls three to nothing. And then um, a couple days before that uh, you tied Richmond at one. So kind of tell us about, and then and then before that, it was this game against the Riverhounds. So um, kind of talk us through the last three games and kind of where Indy has been and kind of how you see them coming into this game on Saturday.
1: Yeah, to talk about the last three, I think you might even have to go back a little bit farther than that to, to kind of paint the full picture of where we're at. Um, our, our recent loss at Penn FC, that actually snapped a nine-game unbeaten run. So we almost made it, you know, double digits unbeaten there. So obviously you're playing pretty good soccer if that's the case. But it's it's kind of hard to explain. But it's almost the type of thing where, um, you know, if a if a nine game unbeaten streak can be underwhelming, if that's like if that's even possible, um, it sort of was that. They had several good results in there, and like I said, they weren't playing like terrible football. But there were a couple, you know, teams they should have beat at home and got a draw. And so it's kind of weird. They always Indy Levin um, head coach, Martin Rennie, his style is kind of uh, a just play good enough to win type of approach. You know, he's trying to beat you by one goal. He's that type of coach. Um, He loves controlling the middle of the pitch. Uh, He he always will have at least two CDMs in there. Um, Sometimes three. He likes that kind of formation. Uh, Jurgen Klinsmann used to play a little bit, some other coaches, but it's, it's called, you know, the, the coach will call it a 4 3 3. It kind of plays more like the, the three in the midfield is almost like a small triangle where the guys are kind of in the middle, you know. So it's almost like you have three CDNs in there and then like the wing forwards of the 3 4 are kind of withdrawn a little bit, you know, with more defensive responsibility. So Rennie, he, you know, he, he plays a 4 3 3. You might see Indian that a lot, but it plays way more defensive than, you know, a typical 4 3 3 that you would see on paper for another coach. So. Um, but yeah, it's it's effective football. So I definitely don't want to be too negative. Um, um, he Rennie's a very astute coach. He doesn't care about you know the flair being impressive. He just wants to you know to get the one point of the three points. And he's not going out there to beat anybody five zero. I think the the only time we've blown the Indy Eleven have blown anyone out lately was I think that three zero home win to the Red Bulls. Um, besides that, I think only maybe two other times all season, did they win a game by more than one goal. So like I said, there's nothing in the the FIFA rule book that says, you know, that thou must win by more than one. So, um, it's just, it's a different coaching philosophy. It's not everyone's cup of tea, but it's very effective. And you know, Indy 11, they're, they're playing, I guess you'd call it good enough football. That's kind of the MO for this year they're consistently playing good enough football and it's going to get them in the playoffs. And at the end of the day, that's what you want, you know, a chance for another day. So I'm encouraged by what I've seen. Uh, but at the same time, I'm not ready to, to proclaim Indy is better than uh, an FC Cincinnati or anything like that.
0: So um, thinking about that, then what do you feel like happened in that Penn FC game or how did Penn FC approach that game that allowed them to win that game?
1: Yeah, unfortunately, I wasn't able to watch that game. I should have put the replay on, but uh, was a little lazy, uh, a little busy this past week, so I don't have too much insight about what happened in that game. But just from what I saw, other people saying, you know, to to uh, to outsource an opinion, I, I guess you'd say, um, I don't think Indy played particularly bad. I, I checked some of the stats and it looked like a pretty even match i think maybe PNFC maybe got the slightly better of, of things from you know from looking at the paper the paper aspect so i, I don't really think it was uh, anything to draw too many conclusions from like i said you know that would have made it 10 unbeaten had they got a result so just the, the narrow 10 loss snapped the nine game unbeaten streak so i don't think there are too many takeaways or, or, or hot takes t- t- to formulate from that 10 loss but at the same time you know it, with the way the schedule set up for Indy down the stretch, you know, one loss in a row, you know, tough assignment coming up, um, at high Mark. So could be two losses in a row and you kind of never know where, where it's going to go from there. But I think the Indy plays conservative enough football. Um, it's hard to come out and run them off the pitch because they're so organized in the middle, like I said. So, you know, I think they'll stay in that fifth spot, even if they take a few lumps down the stretch.
0: Yeah. I'm a little bit, uh, I'm a little bit nervous about that game just because I feel like teams that are organized defensively um, and uh, maybe teams even that pack it in a little bit against the Hounds, I'm not sure that we always have that creative sort of playmaker who can break down that sort of defense. So I think there was some times where we maybe got a little bit lucky um, in that 2-2 draw that we were able to break it down a little bit. But I think... There's a little bit in me that if you guys come in and say we're good with a draw, we just need to get that draw. Um, if we're not able to kind of score early and break that game open, I feel like it could be a it could be an interesting night. And even thinking back to that May 11th game, I think there was a little bit of that as well. You guys were just organized, and so it's hard to break down. Um, yeah, it's hard to break down the defense. So I think it's going to be, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this game plays out on Saturday
1: yeah another thing i wanted to ask you was even let's say the Riverhounds finish the season strong you know rack up several more points along the way um get that get to host that home playoff game um what would you say is the hounds achilles heel so you know if they get even if mm-hmm. they continue to have success they get to the playoffs host the home game let's say they come out flat stumble maybe they even win at home but stumble the next round like what do you think um you know, if this team, assuming if they don't win the title, what do you think will ultimately be kind of the, the stumbling block?
0: Yep. Um, so my theory has been um, that I just I don't think that the River Hounds have a creative playmaker in the middle. Um, we have a lot of good players, and that's not to take away anything from the current crop of players that we have. Um, but I feel like when teams come in and I don't know that that'll happen necessarily in the playoffs, unless teams are just kind of playing for PKs or, or whatever. I just I don't feel like teams necessarily do that in the playoffs. But I just feel like uh, if you come into high mark and you just bunker down and you're willing to just take a you know take a draw, uh, you know if you score first and then you're just willing to like play defense, I feel like that's the that's the struggle that we have. Which is really weird because I feel like that's the style of soccer we play. <laughs> so it's like, how do we, how do we not, how do we not know how to do what we do to everybody else? Um, so I think that's what's, I think that's what's interesting to me is I feel like when teams come in and bunker down, we just don't have that creative technical player. Um, you know, we don't have that Juan Pablo Cafa. We don't have that Ledesma from Cincy. We don't, you know, we don't have that Brendan Aronson from Steel who can. Tear a defense open with a pass, with a movement, with a late run. And I feel like that's our struggle this season is we just don't have that player who can do that specific skill set. Um, you know, we have players all over the field. We have fast players out on the wings, we have good defenders, we have good midfielders who can move the ball. I just don't feel like we have that player who can really break open a packed in defense. Like I said, hopefully that doesn't happen too much in the playoffs because in the playoffs is that win or die situation. But I feel like in a season game or in a final, uh, if a team comes in and just says, "Nope, we're just going to defend against this team." That's the team, that's the struggle that we have.
1: And I feel like we got to talk about Nico Brett for a moment cuz he's having a career year, 14 goals already. Um you're the Riverhounds aren't a particularly high-scoring team, you know, their offense gets the job done, but they're not, you know, setting any scoring records or anything. So um, and you mentioned, like you said, the, the lack of a, of a true playmaker uh, of a true chance creator, um, how, what qualities, I guess would be the best way to phrase it. What qualities does Brett possess that kind of, uh, allow him to score so often and be so impactful despite not having maybe that true playmaker, uh, servicing him up?
0: Yeah, I think there's two things that I, um, you know, give compliments to Brett on all the time. I think one is just, um, the idea, and this isn't just a specific thing on the soccer field, but the idea of relentlessness, I think comes to mind of, he just doesn't give up on balls very easily. Um, You know, a lot of his goals have come from sloppy back passes, sloppy clears, um, just the ability to kind of get on a ball in the box and, and put it home. I think the other thing is just the accuracy of his shots are, is, probably better than almost anybody I've seen, at least at high mark this season, um, that he just, uh, I don't feel like he takes a lot of shots. And I feel like there are times where in the Steel Army, they're passing around the box and we're like, somebody just shoot it. But I think there's, um, you know, I think there's times where, um, you know, he's able to find a bottom right, bottom left, top right corner, um, you know, from, you know, six, eight, 10, 12 yards away. I mean, it's not, it's not like he's, taking these long shots but he's able to see where the keeper is where a defender is and put it in the spot that neither of them can get it um, and so i think that's he's just clinical i think for the most part um and that's when he when he's off it's hard um for us to score and we're starting to see some players kind of turn it around there um, i think Forbes canardo Forbes has had two kind of goal of the week nominees over the past three or four weeks and um you know there are some players who are starting to figure it out but i think um you know i think it's hard sometimes if brett is not feeling it i think that's you know the striker position is so up and down So one day it's there the next day it's not um and so i feel like it's it's up and down but when he's on he's on and when he's off you know it's it's tough for us sometimes
1: so, do we want to jump over to uh, some some keys to the match and some predictions?
0: Yeah, let's do it. So, I'll go. I'll go first, um, and then you can kind of tell us what your keys to the game are. I think. Um, I think one for us um, in in almost any game we play, because of this thing that happens when teams tend to pack it in against us. I think one is just um, we need to start quick and we need to score fast. Um, I think if we can come out early and just kind of get a quick goal, and this probably gets anybody, but just in a game like this where there's playoff implications on the line and, and we're going to be fighting for a playoff spot just as much as you guys are, I think um, we – I would like to see us just kind of start quick and fast, and I think um, – we came out against Bethlehem two weeks ago, just really quick, fast. Um, we were clinical in the first half. We were able to kind of get up early in that first half. So that's what I'd like to see more than anything is just us be, um, just come out, come out strong. Um, and then I think the other thing is um, to, like you said against India, I feel like it's just controlling the midfield. You know, if we give up control of the midfield to you guys, and you guys are able to kind of control the play of the midfield. That's going to make it tough for us. You know, I think Canardo Forbes uh, is great. Um, He's able to move the ball and um, hit some passes that no one else really on the field is for us. Um, So I think if he can kind of gain a foothold in the middle of the field, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be good. Um, And I think that's, is going to allow us to be competitive in this game is just to, just to maintain that control in the midfield. And then I think the third thing, and this is just, uh, uh, you know, I'm not worried about him necessarily, but. I think the other thing is just what Dan Lynn looks like on Saturday. Um, you know, he came back for us last Saturday after being out for a couple weeks. Um, and I think it's, it's, it'll be interesting to see how he plays. You know, he gave up two goals to, to Louisville and th- and that's nothing to be ashamed about or, or sad about. I mean, Louisville's a good scoring team. So um, you give up two goals to them and we were able to fight back and get a draw. So it's okay. But um, I think just seeing what he can come out um, like and what he's looking like um, and how he continues to recover from his injury, um, it'll be interesting. So, what do you feel like are the keys to game for for Indy?
1: I'd say that the the two to two result on August 29th, I believe, was kind of the outlier, more the aberration. I don't think we'll see you know a four or five goal game this time around. You know, you got to respect Pittsburgh's defense, of course. I think two goals definitely wins this game. You get to two, you've got the three points, in my opinion, and one might even win it. So, Mm -hmm. I think both teams are going to have to play very organized defensively, just you know, aware that hey, one goal could this could win this game, two goals very well is going to win this game. So, um, that said, one thing. Anytime a, a team plays, you know, a, a back, a true back three, you know, or um, a back five with, with a true wing back. So essentially, you know, three center backs kind of spread out, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. I feel like any, any team that plays that formation, the, the weakness tends to be right there on the flanks because, mm-hmm. you know, if these guys are prototypical center backs, you know, they're oftentimes a little bit taller, not quite as agile. You know, they might have like good breakaway speed once they get to that top end speed. But, you know, those guys aren't super quick. You know, it's simple physics. You got long legs and you're tall. You're know, you not going to be the quickest, uh, the most nimble footed player out there probably. So I always find that kind of attacking from the flanks on the outside in is the best way to to play, you know, formation with, with three true center backs um, or any formation that for that matter that, you know, focuses on bunkering down and clogging the middle. You know, so you always want to funnel the ball to the outside um and then try to kind of kind of crack the defense that way. So, and what bothers me about Indy, I think Pittsburgh's kind of a bad matchup is I don't think that Indy necessarily has the ideal personnel to take advantage in, in that regard. Um, I, I think like Eugene Starkoff, he's been very hot, he's been playing some great soccer, been very impressed with him. Um he's a he, he's a forward. He kind of drifts out and plays on the wing based on need. Um but he's he is more of an underneath forward. He's got a very low center of gravity. He's kind of like an NFL running back. He'll 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 get his shoulder under you, get leverage, and kind of beast on you. Great ball winner, um, and he's got decent speed. I mean, he's he's maybe the only guy that I think could kind of like dart in and you know and take advantage of that um, that setup. Um, but besides that, um, Indy doesn't have blazing speed, especially blazing speed while dribbling the ball. The the lone guy we had that could really do that was Tyler Pasher who was kind of a your classic left wing back could play as a left midfielder or as a left back unfortunately um he's had a neck issue he's been dealing with all season every time he's been on the pitch he has been very very impactful uh has been a a standout by far a couple man of the match performances and he came back briefly for a time but then he had a setback with that that very same neck injury um unfortunately so um, we're not going to see him this weekend. So without Pasher, Indy doesn't really have a, a guy that's going to go at you 1v1, um, except our new, our mid-season acquisition, Dylan Mayers is the lone exception. Um, I think if Mayers or Starkov is able to kind of get to the corner flag and then get inside on the inline line and, and serve in dangerous balls, that could be a key for Indy to winning. But like I said, uh, both of those guys can do that, but they don't have blazing speed um like some other guys you might see out there are Sunni Saad, he's a solid player but he's not really going to burn you 1v1 and you know and fly into space on the wing um seth moses might be another guy out on the right flank but he's got pace and he's a good player but you know he's not the most dynamic 1v1 player i've ever seen so i just don't think that indy necessarily has like the ideal personnel to crack pittsburgh's setup and so, my official prediction: I'm gonna go with uh, with the most boring result of all time—the 1-0 Riverhounds result.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think um, if I had to pick right now, I think I would say 2-1 Hounds. I think we're trying to, I think we're starting to figure it out on the offensive end, and it'll depend on how those, um, you know, how your D-mids kind of shut down some of our midfield players and, and those late arriving runs for midfield and different things. Um, but I think. I mean, I think the Riverhounds are starting to figure out offensively. I think a 2-2, you know, the 2-2 against Louisville was good, putting in two goals, and I think, you know, the 4-1 the week before that. I think, you know, we've scored six goals in the last two weeks, which we haven't done that all season. So I think it's, uh, you know, I think it's – Yeah. I think it's an, it's going to be an interesting thing, or we see the regression of the mean and like a one Oh one Oh result. So, um, and I, and I think Lind is still working his way back to, I don't think he's working his way back to fitness necessarily, but I think anytime you change goalkeepers, whether you're putting your backup in or your starters coming back, there's just an adjustment period of that communication and all of that kind of stuff. So I think that may, um, you know, the two goals that we gave up against Louisville were both off of set pieces and long distance set pieces. So I think there just needs to be a little bit better communication between uh, the defense and Lind. Um, But I think, I think, you know, coach will get that cleared up this week. So, Um, so that would be minus two, one or, uh, or one, one, nothing is a pretty fair result as well. So I think either of those, either of those will work. So, uh, the Riverhounds take on Indy 11 Saturday night on the home turf at Highmark Stadium. It is the second to last home game this season, obviously, barring playoffs. But make sure you come down and catch the boys before that big game October 6th against Cincinnati. Uh, thanks to Kevin Johnson for joining us today. Kevin, you got some socials you want to plug or places that we can find you?
1: Yeah, sure. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, um, and the like. Also, Sock Takes and Indy Star. You can find me at KJ Boxing. Sock Takes is at Sock Takes, and find Indie Star at Indie Star
0: Sports. Yeah, thanks so much for uh, thanks so much for being with us again today. Yeah, it'll be fun. Maybe we'll uh, see each other come playoffs.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, been a pleasure, and hoping it's a fabulous game.
0: Yeah, yeah. Good luck to the rest of your season. Uh, yeah, hope for a good game on Saturday night. Uh, go check out the rest of our BGN fam, uh, including Sock Takes and uh, Hugh Roberts back here at Footy, as we've talked about today on the show. Um, and all the rest of our great partners who are out there on BGN. Uh, we're doing a lot of great work. Also, go check out uslnews.com. Uh, that's our new written site. That um, There's a lot of great writing that's coming on there, just about different teams around the league. Um, so go check out all of those. And as always, thanks to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarfs, official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and USS, US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at scarfs.com Head over to iTunes, subscribe to the show, leave us a review, let us know what you think of our predictions and thanks for joining us. See you Saturday.